It's where you go to bike, hike, and stroll miles of pathways over more than 7,000 acres of parkland. A place to go explore rivers and fish their bountiful waters. Natural places to go marvel at magnificent wildlife while you play outdoors and go wander charming communities. Find all this and more at Destination Downriver. Give it a go. Today's podcast is presented by MarketInsights.us with the podcast on YouTube produced by the City of Taylor's Media Center. Thank you for the generous support of our community sponsor. When your destination is beyond Downriver, let Martinson Family of Funeral Homes help you and your family. With locations in Trenton, Allen Park, Maybe, Rockwood, and Monroe, their staff is available 24-7 at 734-671-5400. For more information, visit martinson.com. Thank you to our team sponsor, Allegra Marketing Print and Design. Let Allegra assist you with your print, mail, design, and signs. Located in Wyandotte and call 734-288-8994. Okay, welcome to Destination Downriver for March 2023. I'm your host, Carl Zymack. Today's topic ranges from, ec from the environment to economics. Everything in this region, from development to quality of life, has been greatly influenced by our progress along the Detroit Riverfront. When it comes to waterfront issues, this is a pivotal time for the Downriver area. Recent attention and funding are being directed at site recovery planning for areas like the old McLeod Steelworks and the DTE power plant, which is going offline. On our panel today, John Hardig, award-winning scientist and author of a new book, Great Lakes Champions, Grassroots Efforts to Clean Up Polluted Watersheds, Dan Kennedy, a 25-year veteran of the DNR and manager of the only international wildlife refuge in North America, and Ron Heinrich, president and CEO of the Southern Wayne County Chamber of Commerce. But before our panelists arrive, let's get in the right mood by watching The Great Lakes Way, a short video created by the Community Foundation for Southeastern Michigan. Enjoy. Back in 2001, the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan started its Greenways Initiative. They created a fund to build over 100 miles of Greenways trails in Southeast Michigan. They came up with the idea of a Great Lakes Way. It's quite a massive project when you think about it. It goes all the way from River Raisin all the way up to Port Huron. And of course, all along that way, is waterways and trails. But it's so important to connect these communities. The Great Lakes Way includes 44 communities and four counties, let alone connecting across the Canada. Putting that partnership together to build something that brings more people to the place you call home. 
National parks are a, a magnet to attract people from all over the world. Here at River Raisin National Battlefield Park, when we first opened, uh, we only had about 25,000 people that visited that first year. Now we average between 250 and 300,000 people from across the world. This park is the only waterfront access to the Detroit River for all citizens of River Rouge. Think about that. The vast majority of the waterfront is dominated by industry. This is the only place that they get to enjoy and appreciate nature. The Riverwalk sits at a key location on the Great Lakes Way. If you look at it from Monroe to Port Huron, this is right in the center. And it's also the, the most dense population along that pathway as well. Um, what's interesting about the Riverwalk also is that it's a place where folks who live in a very urban environment can have an incredible experience in nature. And this is a rail trail, which is a name for railroads that are replaced by trails for biking, walking, running, and what have you. We're a couple hundred yards away from the Detroit River, and it's connecting the state park with Eastern Market District. I am always excited by more public green spaces, more places where people can gather with their families or their friends outdoors to enjoy all the beautiful natural wonders that Michigan has to offer. We have a 50 mile land trail called the Bridge to Bay Trail, which hugs the shoreline along the St. Clair River. We're in a unique area where our land and water trails meet up. You can experience both local communities and still also get a rustic feel paddling our waterway trails. We really encourage communities that are building trails to look for additional connections, right? So zoom out, look at the neighboring communities and the other assets that they have as well and see if you can build a connection too. Because when people are using these recreational amenities such as trails, they don't really care where the city line or the county line stops. They want to keep going and they want to experience that next great thing. I think the Great Lakes Way will definitely benefit residents connecting to nature and to the rest of the state. Access is a foreign word to some of our underserved communities. We have children in this community that never been outside of a 10 mile radius. And so to take advantage of our natural resources, which we're blessed with, and make that more accessible, I think is key to this work. It's inclusive. I like the fact that everybody can come down here and ride. We got scooters, we got skaters, we got walkers. It's about connecting with people, with your family, your friends. You can discover nature, parks, swimming opportunities, biking, you name it. Discovering new connections is important, whether you're doing that just in your backyard, your local community, or across Southeast Michigan with the Great Lakes Way. We need all of our trails to link and connect so that trail experience is seamless for our visitors and residents. Traveling from one part of the area to another, it often means meeting new people, building friendships that weren't there, being able to fully enjoy everything that's around me and having something like the Great Lakes Way is really a pathway to those connections. There are different sites that people can go explore, but they can explore history and understand the formation of the United States and, and why we are who we are today. Discovering new connections is connecting to more natural spaces in the city that I live in and surrounding areas. It doesn't necessarily have to be something new and flashy to check out. It can be something old that has always been there that maybe you haven't discovered before. And there are a lot of options along the Great Lakes Way for all of that. It goes beyond new connections just to the nature. When it comes to building a community, that's to me what it's all about.
John, why don't we start with you? We've got, uh, as I said before, John Hardig from left to right. John Hardig, Dan Kennedy, Ron Heinrich. Uh, and our audience just got through uh, watching the Great Lakes Way video. Uh, how did your Great Lakes Way get its start? And uh, was there a moment, a person, a spark that ignited this type of flame? Yes, it all started with the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan. Uh, some of you may have remembered 22 years ago, the Community Foundation for Southeast Michigan polled the communities, including all downriver, and said, what's holding you back from building greenways, trails in your community? And the, the consensus answer was most communities could not make match because parks and recreation was a relatively low priority and they didn't have enough discretionary funding to do that. So they couldn't access some of the federal grants, the state grants and other things. So they said, what would happen if we removed that obstacle? They went out and raised $25 million, created the Greenways Initiative and helped communities throughout Southeast Michigan build over a hundred miles of greenways trails. Which is amazing. That's amazing. As we saw in the video, it's a, when, when, you, when the story's laid out that way, very attractive uh, mm -hmm. video there and very informative. It's just, it's, a, it's amazing that you could, that, that a seedling could blossom into that type of a flower. Absolutely. And then, you know, most people in urban areas, we live in a big metropolitan area, are still disconnected from the outdoors. Mm -hmm. and. And the Community Foundation wanted to reconnect people to the outdoors, gain the benefits of outdoor recreation and health benefits and conservation benefits and quality of life benefits. Mm -hmm. But they also wanted to connect communities to each other. So hence, making it all one. Where does that campaign go long term? In a perfect world, where would the Great Lakes Way be in a decade, in 25 years down the road? And, and I know this is opinion, so, so feel free. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be happy to answer that. I think uh, the model for that sits right across in Canada, mm -hmm. that they started 25 years ago with a, um, a Great Lakes waterfront trail in the Toronto metropolitan area. And that's grown now from Quebec all the way along the north shores of Lakes Ontario, Erie, up around Lake Huron, and across Lake Superior. We don't have anything like that. Where this could be in 10 to 25 years is a true Great Lakes way for all great eight Great Lakes states, and then we will have these amazing connections mm -hmm. between these two trail systems. So like at the new Gordie Howe International Bridge, where we're gonna have a dedicated pedestrian and cycling lane, no toll for pedestrians or cyclists, and to go across and enjoy uh, Ojibwe National Urban Park, um, the Underground Railroad sites. So just think of all the things we could do in one day by bicycle when that opens. That's amazing, that's an amazing thought. Process. Your, your book, Great Lakes Champions, outlines stories of people behind the work to restore aquatic ecosystems. Uh, let me put you on the spot a little bit. Who's your favorite story and why? Hmm. <laughs> well, you know how I'm going to answer that. I'm going to say they're all my favorites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But what I like about that, let's just talk local for a second and let's talk about the Rouge River 
and how it was one of the most polluted rivers in North America. It caught on fire and it was a health hazard to anyone who came near it. Mm -hmm. They had to issue no public human contact with the Rouge River because of raw sewage coming from 168 combined sewer overflows. So Jim Murray was a drain commissioner and he grew up in the Rouge River watershed and um, he was a catalyst for bringing together all 48 communities. And we stand today, it's the first watershed in the United States to have a permit, a non-point source, a stormwater permit uh, for all communities through the, the federal government. It's called a National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System Permit. But it's amazing the cooperation that comes out of that. So uh, what they try to do in each of these cases is bring the stakeholders together, right? Um, co-produce knowledge together, co-innovate solutions together, mm -hmm. and then practice you know, adaptive management, which is assess, set priorities, and take action in an iterative fashion for continuous improvement until you get to the end. And these are models of that, not only for the Great Lakes, but the United States and the world. Amazing, amazing story and, and amazing stories in your book. Uh, I'm going to use I'm going to use you, John, to to pivot through mm -hmm. to both of these gentlemen here, uh, and this is a this is a little bit of a tough question, but I'll ask it anyway. Climate change, how is it factoring into what you see in our system here? Climate change is here, mm -hmm. and it's real. And you can go down to Wyandotte when you know a couple of years ago when the waterfront restaurant there had. 12 to 18 inches of water in their parking lot and they had to close down the restaurant because of water. Uh, you went to Elizabeth Park and um, those parking lots that were along the canal of Elizabeth Park were filled with 18 inches of water. Uh, you look at some of the shoreline damage, the erosion that occurs, that's all because of increasing intensity and frequency of storms which is climate change. The other thing is that there are human health impacts. You know, people who have asthma, people, the vulnerable communities are gonna be affected by this as well. So um, uh, it is probably the single most pressing environmental challenge of our time is to address climate change. We need to uh, mitigate, which means reduce carbon and you can see with the closure of the power plants and going over to more uh, renewable energy sources um, and then we need to mitigate and adapt adapt to these um, these new scenarios you know so what are we going to do to make our shorelines more resilient we're going to build more green infrastructure like wetlands and uh, and and all of that interesting Dan pivoting to you uh, you help run the International Wildlife Refuge Alliance. Uh, it's one of the gems of the Downriver region. Uh, seeing the same thing? All right, very similar. I would say it's the uh, more frequent storms and intensity of those storms and how that affects 
um, some of the islands we own and the erosion we see due from that, from the, wa the increased wave action. Um, we are working on do implementing several projects in partnership with the uh, Friends of the Detroit River, uh, the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. So we've initiated some actions to try to um, alleviate some of those impacts, but very similar to what John described. You're a 25-year veteran of the DNR and, uh, and your uh, post at the uh, at the refuge, can you can you give us a five cent tour of uh, maybe maybe some people out there haven't uh, haven't ever been down there before? Yeah, I think um, where I'd like to start with that is you know that was the vision of Congressman John Dingle, mm -hmm. and he uh, got the refuge established in two thousand and one. Hired some then some we hired some quality staff like our friend uh, Dr. Hardig here, who then implemented Mr. Dingle's vision. And we now have a visitor center, you know, that's open through Thursday through Sunday, 10 to four in the afternoon. We have a, a 700 foot fishing pier that is managed in partnership with Wayne County Parks. There's a kayak launch. There's three miles of trails. We have opportunities for families to come. So if somebody wants to go fishing, there's a pavilion, there's a kid's natural play station, there's picnic tables. So there's opportunities for all to come and visit at the um, Refuge Gateway. Dan, what type of numbers come through every year? You know, that's a great question. I think um, as we're getting out of COVID, we're seeing some increase. Mm -hmm. You know, we're probably right around, you know, the 10,000 mark, uh, but we hope to get upwards of 100,000 once we can start building, you know, uh, get the word out. You know, we are relatively new. Uh, we've opened and closed a couple times due to COVID, but we're officially open now. And um, yeah, we hope to see numbers increase drastically over the next couple of years. Any event-type highlights uh, coming up right now as we move into spring? I'll, I'll highlight one event, um, but we do, if you go to our website, you know, the Detroit River International Wildlife Refuge website, we have a list of programming, available programming from bird watching. We're going to host a, an art event and a variety of different things. Uh, we try to diversify our programs to bring in a diversity of users. Um, all of it's free. And the one event I'll highlight is in June, we're going to have a free fishing day. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to get a bunch of kids um, out there fishing and get them the opportunity to catch a fish. Which sounds, uh, sounds really exciting. What, uh, what's the favorite part of your job? I love the connecting people to nature. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's why I decided to come here. That's why I left the DNR. Um, it's... The, the mental and physical health benefits of folks getting out in nature has been a very, it's been widely researched and documented that if you spend four to six hours outdoors every week, you see mental and physical health benefits. It's documented. And so I love that opportunity to, to help uh, folks downriver or in the greater Detroit uh, area come down and have a place to recreate get out on the trails, go kayaking, go bird watching, whatever it is, get outdoors and um, live a healthier lifestyle. Let's, let's try to build on that because I know you're a big proponent of, of conservation in urban areas here. Uh, if, you're typical, if you were talking to the typical resident out there who maybe sits on his couch too much or watches too much TV or whatever, what would you suggest to get him back in the love of the outdoors, so to speak? Well, 
I'll just say sometimes that's me. You know, during during <laughs> oh, I hate been during there myself. Yeah. during COVID, sometimes you know you find yourself. Uh, I found myself at home more often than I would like. So, um, just I my part of it is I just love to come out. I enjoy birding. I enjoy hiking. Um, I'm not much of a cyclist, but I see people you know who love to get on their um, bicycle and go for long rides. So it's just find whatever that is that passion is for you. Mm -hmm. And then you can, um, then I think that gives you the motivation to, to get outdoors and enjoy the outdoors. It doesn't necessarily have to be at a refuge um, or a DNR park or here on Clinton Metro parks. There's stuff in your backyard you can get out and enjoy and see the, you know, see birds, learn your plants, learn your flowers, do some gardening. There's a variety of things you can do just in your own backyard to enjoy um, nature. Excellent, excellent. John, before we slide over to Ron, I'm gonna use you to pivot again. <laughs> uh, I wanted to work this question to, through you, and Dan, jump in if you, if, if you choose. Most, most waterways, like the Detroit River, have been dominated by industry over the course of centuries. Uh, how do you guys balance that business to environmental quality of life? How, how, how do you work that? Uh, doesn't it too often become a business versus environment question? And from your point of view, how do you get buy-in? off of both sides. Yeah. So it used to be one or the other, mm -hmm. but everyone has learned that it can be both, you know, and we can have business. At the McLeod Steel site, we can have uh, high-tech industry, light industry, commercial, but we can also put in some green infrastructure and soften the shoreline and put recreational trails and a pocket park in. Mm -hmm. We can do all of that together, and I think, um, industry needs a healthy environment. So like, um, think of when Ford Motor Company uh, uh, put in the Mustang plant in Flat Rock and they had to attract new employees that were graduates of universities. You know, they don't just want a job, they want a place to live, they want an experience, they want the outdoors. What a great thing we can offer them. So it's really important to, help attract and retain employees for businesses in the area as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, it is really a healthy economy needs a healthy environment and it goes back and forth and we can do both and there are plenty of examples of that uh, throughout the Great Lakes in North America. Ron, you're as close to the business community as anybody, cert mm -hmm. certainly on this set. Mm -hmm. uh, you see the situation similar to John, uh, what else can you add to that? Yeah, you know, uh, I can just walk off the set right now because John hit it right on, right on the nail or hit the nail right on the head, right? So, um, you, you know, just a moment ago, there was a photo right behind me that showed the intersection of economy and environment. There it is right there. Um, that's, that's exactly right. John is exactly right that, you know, yeah, things might have been different in the past. But in the world that we're living in today, the economy and the environment, you don't have to choose one or the other. Um, the business community wants to work directly with uh, our communities to ensure that we have a healthy environment, that we have a healthy economy. Um, and I can tell you, you know, the evidence is there in, in, in the fact that a lot of our uh, environmental organizations like the International Wildlife Refuge Alliance and, and so many others are very active members of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and you know the facts are is that 
Uh, we have a, a, a tremendous amount of opportunity here in the Downriver region. We're working very closely with the Downriver Community Conference with the new EDA, Economic uh, Development Administration Grant of $1.6 million to, uh, to turn brownfields into uh, you know, great opportunities to attract high quality jobs to the region, to attract environmental opportunities, to attract talent to the region and travel and tourism. Um, and the facts are is that we all need to work together as a united community to, to, to be successful moving forward. Um, and you know the, our, our uh, tagline, so to speak, at the chamber is thriving together. That's what we always say. We're, you know, we're working together for a thriving, a thriving community. Um, and, and, and our vision is to, to be the unifying body to bring all people together to have a positive lasting impact on the region. Um, and so you know, the days of choosing one or the other that's gone. That's totally gone. We have to have a healthy environment. We have to have a healthy economy. Um, and I think you know what's priority for all of us is that uh, we have a strong tax base. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have uh, uh, organizations that are here in the Downriver regions, especially along the riverfront, that are contributing to the financial health of our communities, that are contributing to the environmental health of our communities, um, and that are working with us in Destination Downriver and the Chamber and, and others to recruit uh, you know, outstanding talent to the region and, and development and employers. Uh, and I think, you know, in a nutshell, the, the, the shorter answer is, is that we're all working together to thrive, to have a, a strong economy and a strong environment moving forward. We touched a little bit on the McLeod property, and I mm -hmm. think that's been heavily discussed for mm -hmm. what amounts to decades now. The, the DTE power plant, well, what are we eventually gonna, do we, do we have any clue what we're gonna see there? Yeah, um, you know, obviously there's there's probably some things that we probably shouldn't discuss publicly at this point yet. <laughs> um, but but I, I will tell you this, that DTE is a very strong and committed partner of the Downriver communities. Um, and, they, and they've provided a lot of evidence of that and the fact that, um, I can tell you right now with the EDA grant that I just mentioned a moment ago with the Downriver Community Conference, um, DTE has been the driving force behind establishing the work that we've uh, done up to this point and will do into the future. Uh, they've they've uh, brought the University of Michigan Economic Growth Institute to the table. Uh, they've provided the original funding to help launch uh, you know the work that we're doing at the Downriver Community Conference and the Chamber. Um, and they're really passionate about assisting small businesses that are impacted by the um, retirement of the coal-fired power plants, um, specifically in the five riverfront communities, uh, River Rouge, Ecorse, Trenton, Wyandotte, and Riverview. Um, so DTE is a, is a very committed partner uh, here in our region. Um, and I know that those two facilities in River Rouge and Trenton specifically, I do believe that um, there's going to be some uh, you know, great opportunity moving forward to ensure that those properties are redevelopment ready and that they're um, uh, you know, a positive part of, uh, of our community you know, moving forward. When we, uh, Gordy Howe Bridge going, going up right, mm -hmm. right here down river yep. uh, and going yep. up quick, yeah. and, and, yeah. and John talked about what is that transnational mm -hmm. experience and how friendly that can be and the things that are on the Canadian side mm -hmm. that maybe we can learn from, piggyback from, all of that stuff. From a business yeah. standpoint, yeah. what do you see, Ron? Do you, do you, yeah. Obviously, you see the same thing, but sure. yeah. how does that lend into, yeah. into the business environment? Yeah, again, um, you know, like a lot of the other things going on in the Downriver region, down region, this is... Um, 
a very exciting opportunity that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, we've actually hosted the, um, the Detroit Windsor Bridge Authority at the Chamber a couple of times now to speak um, about the bridge project and what's happening. And uh, I know you guys, you know, you, you probably think, uh, you know, none of us um, were around in the 50s to see the construction of the Mackinac Bridge. Um, and to be alive today to see the construction of an international bridge project like the Gordie Howe International Bridge, is a, it's truly a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and it's something that a lot of us are very excited about. Um, and when you look at the impact that the bridge that you know, Dr. Hardig mentioned, uh, a lot of exciting you know, components of that project when it comes to pedestrian opportunities and cycling opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, connecting our, our two countries and specifically the downriver community connecting us to, uh, to our Canadian neighbors. Um, but in terms of the economy, uh, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of opportunities there for a lot of our members, but also specifically um, with this project that's taking place um, over the next couple of years with the building of the bridge, there's a lot of vendor opportunities and contractor opportunities. And the Detroit Windsor Bridge Authority has um, been very open uh, to our community in terms of what those opportunities are and, and how our local businesses can be uh, you know, take advantage of those opportunities and be a part of the construction of this historic bridge. Uh, so I do want to, you know, encourage our viewers, if there's any businesses that are tuning in today, um, you know, take a look at that. Take a look at those opportunities, because I think the Detroit Windsor Bridge Authority has made it clear that they want to work with local contractors and local organizations to, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, forward this historic, uh, you know, project and ensure that it's successful. Um, it's, it's a successful investment for, for our entire region. It's amazing how, how a construction of, of something like that, that mm -hmm. bridge, can hit, the, hit so many levels. Because I know I've got some friends that are skilled trades guys yeah. that are working on the bridge. Yeah. And yeah. when you talk to them, they'd fit right into this conversation. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get the, the pride just mm -hmm. oozes out of them when they're talking about this particular project. And that's really kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, and you, like you mm -hmm. said, Ron, you don't mm -hmm. see, you know, it's like a generational thing. Yeah. You don't see, yeah. you're not gonna see that for a long time coming again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. With with you guys on the set, I'd, I'd be a little remiss if we didn't at least touch on fishing in this region. Who's the biggest fisherman here? Any, anybody? It's, it's my passion. I okay, love to fish. Okay, all right, so we're defaulting to Dan here. Well, uh, I'm not sure I'm the most passionate, but it's my hobby. It's my number one hobby. Mm -hmm. I love to fish out of my kayak, so that's my favorite thing to do. Walleye fishing is huge, uh, a year-round sport. Any tricks to the trade you'd like to offer? Uh, well, first, before we get into that, I, what I'd like to say is I think that walleye fishing is a great example of um, the environment and the economy coming together because with the really world-class walleye fisheries on the Detroit River, that brings in fisher uh, anglers from across the country, from across the Midwest, from across Michigan. They all come to fish on the Detroit River. That brings in a lot of uh, hotel stays, you know, bed and breakfast. They're eating um, breakfast and they're eating dinner at businesses. So there's a lot of uh, synergy there with, you know, a clean environment does uh, uh, helps, you know, small businesses in the downriver area. As far as tips and tricks, um, it's better to keep your line in the water than out of the water. Uh, so uh, yeah, 
you know, it, it, usually if you go out on the river, you're going out with somebody who knows what they're doing. And um, I'm just getting familiar with f f walleye fishing on the Detroit River. Uh, usually everybody has, you know, a couple poles and they're, you know, they're jigging back and forth and mm -hmm. um, catching fish. It's important to stay with the current, you know, stay even with the current so your line's straight up and down. I'm sure there's a lot of other mm -hmm. experts out there. Um, tell, us, tell us about your fishing pier. Yeah, yeah. So at the um, at the refuge at the refuge gateway, which is co-managed with Wayne County Parks, there's a 700 foot fishing pier that is open. It's free to the public, so anybody can come and enjoy fishing on the pier. Um, and there's great opportunities to catch walleye here. Probably starting in the next week or so. I saw my first boat out on the Trenton um, Channel this morning. So I think within the next week or two, we'll probably see a lot of folks getting out on the river. And if you don't have a boat and you're uh, and that's not something that's available to you, you can come to the uh, Refuge Gateway site for free and fish off the pier. The only thing you need is a fishing license. And then the other thing is, is um, you can bring your family. You know, there are other things to do at the refuge. So if somebody wants, if two members of the family want to go fishing, you know, others can go for a hike. They can go to the visitor center. They can sit at the picnic tables. You know, there's a variety of things for the whole family to enjoy. Any restrictions on walleye eating? I mean, walleye from the Detroit River, any restrictions as far as that goes? You know, usually the, the bigger, the fatter, the, the fish, mm -hmm. the more fat, the higher the fat content, mm -hmm. the more contaminants. So there are some uh, health advisories on some of the bigger ones, but the smaller fish, you know, clearly like yellow perch and everything else are not, you know. So um, there have been improvements in the contaminant levels of fish over time, but we still have certain advisories on certain species and size classes of sure. fish, you know. Sure. Sure, but exactly. the point that Dan made is so important, you know, walleye fishing alone means a million dollars to the economy of downriver, mm -hmm. just on the U.S. side, a million dollars each year, uh, just in the downriver communities. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And then that we have, of course, we've got the, the national tournaments, so, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know $500,000 in one week is given away for fish. Right. And then if you don't want to participate in that, for free, you can go to this, this amazing fishing pier mm -hmm. and catch a trophy walleye during the peak of the run. So 10 million walleye ascend the Detroit River from Lake Erie to look for spawning beds mm -hmm. and they come up that channel and you've got this 740 foot pier that goes out and you can get to their habitat and you can mm -hmm. catch one of these. And so what an opportunity if somebody can't afford a boat they can still get the same experience. They can still catch the trophy fish. Dan, you look like you wanted to jump in there. I was just going to say for the viewers that are interested, the Department of Human Health and Services issues um, different uh, warnings for fish consumption. So I would just go to their website mm -hmm. uh, to get, uh, if they're interested, to get the most up-to-date information on whatever fish um, they're looking to catch. Fantastic. Carl, Fantastic. If, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to add, um, you know, to uh, Dan and Dr. Hardig's point about the regional regional impact on the economy, um, and that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, in April here coming up in a you know in the next month is is the uh, walleye tournament mm -hmm. taking place along the Detroit River, mm -hmm. and 
Um, and, and that's something that we focus on quite a bit at, at the uh, chamber uh, because we want our members to be aware of the phenomenal opportunity, economic opportunity that comes when these fishermen and fisherwomen from really all over the country mm -hmm. and probably even in Canada will come over here and stay at all of our hotels and visit our restaurants and uh, you know visit you know our parks and and, and our small retail shops and things like that and uh, so it really you know it is a million dollars in in business in our local economy um, so even though the walleye tournament is taking place along the riverfront, obviously in the Detroit River, communities like Trenton and Gibraltar and others are seeing a direct um, impact from that. It truly is a regional impact because I can't tell you, I'm driving up and down uh, Eureka and North Line and, and West Road and Woodhaven and seeing the hotels are jam packed <laughs> during that time with people coming from out of state and in some some cases out of the nation um, from Canada to visit the Don River region during the walleye tournament tournament. And that's a huge, huge impact and a major opportunity for our regional businesses. Yeah. And Ron, that, that's fish. Now we yeah. can talk about waterfowl, you know, yeah, yeah. Ducks Unlimited yeah. has identified our area as one of the top 10, you know, urban waterfowl hunting areas in North America. That's down river, you know, with, with all these 23 islands, then you have birding. Mm -hmm. You got birding and the mm -hmm. stopover habitat. We have these islands and mm -hmm. Humbug Marsh and Point Moulier, world-class birding. That's going to start this spring with the warblers coming through. Yep. And then, of course, the hawks that come through in the fall, the migration. You know, that's one of the three best places mm -hmm. to watch hawk migrations downriver. What you know? a great example of the environment and the economy working together mm -hmm. to enhance our entire region. Mm -hmm. you know, what you just mentioned. Yeah. You Absolutely. can come visit me at my office and I'd be happy to uh, look out my window and identify all the different waterfowl species, you know, mm -hmm. and, and in about the middle of May is when all the warblers will come through and, you know, the refuge uh, Humbug Marsh is a great place to do bird, some bird watching as well. So. Fantastic. This has, been, this has been a great discussion, gentlemen. Uh, to, to sum things up, John, if anybody wants to get involved, anybody listening out there wants to get involved in the Great Lakes Way movement, how do they do it? Downriver, I would say go to Downriver Link Greenways. Get involved. Get involved with them. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing we want to do is we want to knit together all these things. So we have the Bridge to Bay Trail up in St. Clair County. We've got the Detroit River Walk. Mm -hmm. We've got the uh, Joe Lewis Greenway. Mm -hmm. Down south, we have the Cornerstone Trail in Monroe County. We're going to be knitting all those together, but work through the grassroots there, uh, organizations like Downriver Linked Greenways. Dan, what about the refuge, if you want to get involved? Uh, well, we're free, so mm -hmm. anybody can come and visit, and we're at uh, 5437 Jefferson Avenue in Trenton, just south of uh, where Van Horn dead ends into Jefferson. Okay, alrighty. And Ron? From the chamber's viewpoint, if a business is out there and he's going, and and the business owner he or she is going, hmm, I haven't heard of that chamber. How do they get involved with the chamber? How much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to pitch? <laughs> um, you know, and I'll I'll make it quick because I, you know, you a lot of you guys know I can go on for hours about the chamber and what we do and the impact we have on the on the region. Um, but we obviously highly encourage all of our businesses to explore chamber membership. Uh, we do a lot of different, uh, you know, provide a lot of different opportunities from networking events to small business workshops to 
uh, discount programs on office supplies and in you know commercial liability insurance. We even offer complimentary access um, to labor law attorneys if you need legal advice on anything related to employment law or, or really anything involving you know the legal aspect of running a business. Uh, so there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, you know, through the chamber, uh, a lot of benefits that you can take advantage of. And then the other part is, is that, um, you know, we, we are extremely involved in all of our communities. You know, Carl, you can, you can uh, testify to that. Uh, so if you want to be involved in the community, if you want to get to know who your, uh, even who your elected leaders are and, uh, and be, a, be a part of what we're doing, go to swcrc.com, which is the chamber's website, and explore uh, all the opportunities and uh, benefits there available to our local businesses and nonprofits, I'll mention as well. Fantastic. Where can people pick up your book, John? Uh, you can go get it at uh, Michigan State University Press or Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Fantastic. Fantastic. John, Dan, Ron, gr this was a great talk. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's a shame that the late John Dingle couldn't have been here because yeah. he would have fit right in. We could have put a fourth seat in and that would have been fun. Yeah. I could have just taken the day off and John could have hosted this. But, but it was a pleasure and uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you. I think all three of you guys will be seeing you on another, on another segment of Destination Down the Road. Mm -hmm. Wasn't that a great discussion? Thanks so much to our guest, Dr. John Hartig, Dan Kennedy and Ron Heinrich. We'll be following this topic in future segments of our show. But for now, that's it for this installment of Destination Downriver. For our crew behind the scenes, I'm Carl Zymack. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you next month. Thank you again to our sponsors, Martinson Family of Funeral Homes and Allegra Marketing, with a special thanks to our production partners here at the new Taylor Media Center. Thanks for listening and watching. Please visit our website, destinationdownriver.com, or our Facebook page, and be sure to join us for next month's podcast.